All right. Hey, what's up? Hello. This is Auntie Cubana coming back at you with another episode of the Unladylike Lounge podcast. And today I am joined by Paul Zolman. Paul, how are you today? I'm doing great, Courtney. Thank you for being letting me be on your show. Enjoying Thank this. You. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, why don't you take a second, brag a little bit about yourself, tell us a little bit about what we should know, and uh, we'll go from there. I'm really hard at bragging, but I'll try my best. <laughs> so I, I, I um, put myself out there as a love language linguist only because I have learned all five love languages to give it away. Wow. And the reason I had to learn that is because I wanted a replacement behavior for residual anger I had left from a childhood of uh, an angry childhood, learning from an angry culture all the angry things to do, like to walk over people when they're talking, to interrupt, to have no boundaries and, and anything goes type of angry culture. And uh, they're all the put downs, all the smack down, uh, smack down, all that stuff was part of that angry culture. And I really wanted to leave that culture. I did not want to have that, continue to have that in my life. So I sought out the, the love languages, learned them, and um, here I am. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you here. I know that not only myself, but so many of our audience members might have heard of the love languages, but don't necessarily know what they are mm -hmm. or how they can give or even accept them freely or in a healthy manner. So I definitely appreciate you being able to share with us some experience and expertise on the subject matter. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? You said that you you know learned all five love languages uh, because of a because of a background. Why don't you tell us whatever you're comfortable with um, as far mm -hmm. as you know what made you seek out the love languages, how you sought them out, um, and of course, like I said, anything you're comfortable with, whatever you're not, feel free to leave out. Great, thank you so much. So, it really, kind of started back. I don't know how far back it started, but I know even I know a little bit about my grandfather. My grandfather, all my grandfathers passed away before I was ever born. And my, my uh, father's father passed away when he was just 10 years old. But he, he came from Indiana. In Indiana, he had a wife and had nine children. Shortly after that ninth child was born, uh, his wife passed away. So he was very distraught. And we know today that you don't really try not to make decisions when you're in a crisis like that. He didn't, yeah. know, he didn't know that back then. So what he did, he decided to sell the farm and all the equipment. And so when when everybody came to pick up the equipment, he said something like this. And would you like this child? And would you like this child? And would you like this child? Oh. Until he systematically gave all the children away except for one. And he took that one child, Benjamin, with him to Montana. And he found a school teacher that had never been married. Married her, had 10 more children, of which, of which my father's number six. Oh, so, my goodness. So 19 children. And so so here here he is. They got nine abandoned children. But he passes away when my father is just 10 years old. So now you have 19 abandoned children. And my father was born in 1922. So he was 10 in 1932, the middle of a Great Depression worldwide. So now there's not only abandonment issues, but now there's economic issues as well. So with that, my father was only able to continue to go to school through eighth grade. And then he had to, to help support the family, went to work. I don't know if he became an apprentice as a mechanic or he really liked mechanics, became a diesel mechanic, and then became a truck driver after that. 
and and so that's that's how I knew him. I knew him growing up that he would mess around with cars all the time and get his hands all dirty. I hated getting my I hated getting that grit under my fingernails. Yes. And 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 just just the smell of it, the smell of gasoline. We used the gasoline in the day to to clean it up, and then I'd have that smell all day long. And I just, I did, did very. I still dislike that smell. I just, yes. I did not want to get dirty, and I'm not a little prissy boy, but uh, but I am I am between two two sisters. So oh, I have okay. an older sister and a younger sister. I'm the thorn between two roses there. Yeah. And so I, actually, I'm number 10 of only 11 children. So so generationally, my father is improving the generations a little bit. He didn't have 19 children like his father. He only had 11. And then I'm improved, I improved it a little bit better. And I only have eight. And, wow. And um, I don't get it, Auntie. My my children are only having three. I just don't understand what the deal is. There. What happened? I know. I, 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 I want more grandchildren. So how do I get more grandchildren? That's why you have children, right? Before the grandchildren. Yes, so, exactly. You got to so, have those grandbabies. Yeah. So that's what I've been wanting. So anyway, as number 10 of 11, um, and, you know, I, you know, I was just, I didn't have make a lot of decisions. I actually was the human remote control back in the day. My brothers and sisters would tell me, "You go change the channel." So I have to. I had the shorter legs, so I had to walk up to the TV, turn the knob, and change the channel. So yeah. that that was my life. I, I, they made decisions for me, and I, I just did what I was told to do. Oh and my so, so it actually is pretty good preparation for getting married because you're going to be told what to do anyway. <laughs> So it was all it was all good. It was all it all worked out. But um, in in that age, day and age, my my father, I don't know how he did it because I haven't been able to duplicate. But every Friday when he returned home, he'd be gone all through the week. But every Friday when he returned home from his truck truck route, he would date my mother, and it, it wasn't very creative about it. It was always the Maverick Bar, always always over alcohol. And I can imagine, I never was there, but I can imagine my mother and father saying, well, how was your week? How was your week? And then my mother starting at the oldest child and going all the way, <laughs> all the way down. So my father, what's happening is my father's getting annoyed, annoyed, annoyed about all the things that my older siblings are doing. By the time he gets to number 10, poof, he's ready to blow. And he's having this flash of anger. And I felt like I, I was the target a lot. Well, you can understand that it was all older brothers except for those two sisters I have. So, so they're they're like puppies, Auntie. They're 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 wrestling and and they're swatting each other and they're doing all the things that puppies do, and they're just rolling around, breaking arms occasionally, and just all a lot of a lot of things that would annoy a father anyway. But he's getting annoyed, 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 and he's ready to blow. This almost the straw that's going to break that camel's back, and so it's at number ten. And I felt like I was a target that way because I'm between two girls. If I even look cross-eyed at those sisters of mine, I would get get the wrath. Oh. So, just, so, so that's where I'm at. I either got the belt or a spanking. It was seemed really regular. One time I was spanked so so badly that I was black and blue for about three weeks. And it was just severe severe spanking, severe se that severity of that type of discipline, as he called it. And it would something that you did you didn't know who to call it was like Ghostbuster, who are you gonna call? 
Um, and it, it was at the time that they didn't have a lot of a lot of places that you could call for that type of thing, and so you didn't you just kept it within the family. And so, age seventeen, I decided I'm moving out. I'm done with this. I hadn't even finished high school. It was after my junior year of high school. I moved in with my brother, and um, and and then he was transferred to California. But my brother had a couple of children at the time, and I loved playing with the children. I didn't have any younger siblings like that that I could remember to play with and, and to just kind of you know play with babies and, and that sort of thing. So it was really fun for me. Yeah. But he, he had this same issue that he would I, I realized that he was stacking annoyance on top of annoyance, on top of annoyance, on top of annoyance, till he had that flash of anger. I didn't know I had it until I started having children myself. And I realized I've got that same problem. It's a really a generational problem, something that's been passed on. And those bad decisions that are made in crisis, that portion, you, you, you choose punishment or you choose um, harshness or you choose something that's not very good you know, to, to try to solve the situation. Very similar to what my grandfather did, but it was not that severe, obviously. Nobody's given any children away in this. Day and day. Right. We, no, we, we, want, we want the grand. We want the grandchildren, right? Yes. So, and we want to see them. So, so anyway, I, I get to the, about age thirty-five, and I realize that I'm still blaming my father for all the awkwardness. So, if you get angry like that in public, it's like the person that has an accident in the swimming pool. They scatter and they say, "It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me." Yes. Type type situation, and you repel people, and I did not want to repel people, not in public, not my family in private. Did not want to do that anymore. But I started with like a negative statement, said I don't want to be angry. And uh, Auntie, the the, the t- two negatives only works in math. That you multiply a negative number by another negative number, you get a positive number. It doesn't right. work in relationships. And I realized that it wasn't working for me. So I realized I kind of needed a replacement behavior. So this anger actually was contributory to the demise of my first marriage. After 23 and a half years and eight children, now I become primary custodian, the five remaining children in the home. But I decide that on on the weekends that that she has the children, I'm going to do something fun, midlife crisis, you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something fun, and I I called it destination dating. So I found somebody online, and they lived in a different city. I lived in a different city from them. We chose a city. We we met in the city, had a date, and so I did that for about a year and a half. And I ended up going to Jacksonville, Florida, and Daytona Beach, and and Atlanta, Charlotte, North Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, New York City, Salt Lake City, Kansas City, Nashville. Uh, Phoenix, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Snowflake, Arizona, Cabo San Lucas, and a lot more cities that I went to. Had a great time. Spent more than ten thousand dollars just traveling on for these destination dates, and it was it was like the lyrics of that song, Auntie. That that it was looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, wasn't finding anything. I thought I had a good prospect, and and in Phoenix, and so I actually moved to Phoenix. Uh, was living there and it actually didn't turn out. So here I am. My ex-wife now, after three and a half years, decides she wants the remaining three children left. She wants them back. And that she's actually moving from the East Coast to California to live with her parents. She's in her mid-40s. 
She was moving back to live with her parents. And I thought, you know what? I didn't know any of my grand grandfathers and I barely knew my grandmothers because they're the, the travel distance. They weren't in the same city as I was. I thought this would be a really good opportunity for those children to learn, to get to know their grandparents a lot better than I ever did. And I wanted them to have that experience. So I relinquished primary custody to my ex-wife. So now I'm all alone. When in this state of being all alone, now my sister gives me a call and says, I've got a neighbor that that I want to introduce to you. My sister lives seven hours away. Oh, I, said, no. I said, sis, I... I am done with destination day. I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. She's the older sister. Remember, I'm number 10 of 11. You got to do oh. what she says. She says, she says, oh, come on. I said, okay. And then I said, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't very excited, obviously. And I, and I said, well, I'll email her. What kind of relationship can you build with email? I didn't think anything had come of it, but with that, I found out she was this lady was a really good writer. So we have we have four or five exchanges. It's really fun to have these little exchanges. So after four or five exchanges, I get brave, and I said, "Well, how many times have you been married?" You know, that's kind of a a question that you kind of wait wait a while to ask. And so she writes back and she says, "Counting the five that are buried in the backyard." <laughs> I, I, just like you, I roared with laughter because I thought I got a live one here. I got someone with some personality, someone yes. that has a sense of humor. I said this might well be interesting to pursue this. So we start getting a little closer, and then I ended up actually moving to where my sister was, moving up there, and then we got more serious. While we're serious, now it's time for Big Brother approval. So I take her 300 miles north from where I'm at and and go in my brother's house. First thing that happens is my sister-in-law pulls her aside and says, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up is anger. At first I denied it. I said, oh, oh, then it made me mad. Right. I thought, huh, she, I'm, she, I'm, I'm busted. Yeah, I'm absolutely busted. So I realized auntie, that from that time, I've got an opportunity here to change that perception of the Zolman family. Yes. So I realized that, what am I going to do? So mm -hmm. I, I thought, well, I've got to go the opposite direction. If anger is one side of the spectrum, what is the other side of the spectrum? So I realized, realized that I've got to go more toward love. And so I started reading the color code and then the five love languages. And I really liked the principles of the five love languages, but I didn't get it. Coming from where? <laughs> Coming from where I came from, yeah, I was not even supposed to get it. You know what is love? It, you know, I, if I wasn't being whacked when I was a kid, I didn't know that I, whether I was loved or not. So right. I, started, I was trying to improve myself here and trying to be a better person uh, for that next person, whoever that would be. And so I, I read the five love languages, and Dr. Chapman says, "Auntie, if I if I guess." what love language you are, and I cater to that, we're going to be buddies. Well, I'm a bad guesser. And right. I, and I have been a bad guesser, and, and that's, that's not working for me. So what else you got, Dr. Chapman? Well, he had this survey. If you take this survey, I can determine what my love language is. Well, what am I supposed to do with that? Advertise? Right. 
make a, <laughs> put a button on my shirt. Hello, Auntie. I'm gifts. What do you have for me today? Yes. That's so awkward. So why do we have to do awkward to get to love? And it just wasn't working for me. So I thought, you know, even as dysfunctional as our family was growing up, I, there was one thing that brought us together, and that was games. Okay. Even even, um, even uh, as dysfunctional as we were, there was all still all the smack talk. There was still all the the put downs. There was still the aggressive com- competition, but games brought our family together. And um, so I thought, well, I wonder if I can make it a game. So I contacted Dr. Chapman and said, Dr. Chapman, are you licensing those little pictures, the little icons that you have for each one of the love languages? And his attorney wrote back and said, no, we're not doing that at this time. So I had a friend that's a copyright attorney here in town, and I went to him and, and explained the problem. He said that said this. So theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable. Application, application is. So he wasn't doing it as a game. So I, I said, well, I'll make my own icons. They'll be my own artwork, and then I'll, I'll make a game out of it. So that's what I did. And this this is the game. So I, I just put it on a on a little cube. Okay. And I've, and I've got uh, all the five love languages. Uh, this one is just like a server. That would be for service. Next one is two hands put, put together, creating a heart, and then a conversation file. So those would be the words of the heart. Okay. For that love language. Next one is the hand holding an hourglass. Hourglass measures time. That would represent time. A hand holding a gift represents gifts. Then two hands look like they're holding hands. That would represent touch. Five love languages, six sides on the cube. The last last side I'm, I created, I call surprise me, the hand holding a question mark. So, okay. so there's just two instructions. You're all the cube every day. Whatever it lands on, that's the love language you practice giving away all day that day. All day. Wow. To everybody. All day. So Dr. Chapman's book was more romantic, like you're supposed to give this to your significant other and cater to the whatever the love language might be. But it gets to uh, un- kind of an unintended little pity party that says, well, I told you how to love me. How come you're not doing it? And it's just, it's, it's just kind of that. I didn't want to even go there. So, so what really do I have control over? I don't have, I can't bid someone to love me. No one right. can. Right. But I have the ability to send it out and to respond when it comes my way. So when I re- realized the directional there and, and the, the only things I have control over, uh, that kind of drew some boundaries for me. So sending it out and then being able to respond is, is one of the best things that happened after rolling the die for about 30 days. You will have given away all five love languages so that you know them backwards and forwards. And you be, it improves your communication skills Gives you that peripheral vision you need to, to see it when it comes your way. Oh, they're loving on me. It's not my primary love language, but I can see they're loving on me. I can respond appropriately to that. And First. so that's so that's that's kind of kind of where I'm at right now. This actually became a be, replacement behavior for that anger because what I found out was that I the reason I was being annoyed because I was trying to get. Uh, thinking I, I was man, I could manage someone else's life, 
someone else's decisions. And I was crossing a line that I didn't have, obviously, from an ang angry culture doesn't have any boundaries. So I was crossing a line that I thought was appropriate, realized that I don't have any control over that. And I just, I need to stop, absolutely stop thinking that I can say what they should do or offer any advice in that way unless they ask for advice or unless I ask them for permission to give them advice and they grant that permission. I realized that that boundary needed to be really set and set in stone. And once I realized that, then it was a whole lot easier to realize what I'm, what am I supposed to do? Just send love out, send it out without any expectation of it coming back, but just trust that the laws of the universe are in place. The law of the harvest, karma, law of attraction, law of reciprocity, law of polarity, any of those laws will bring love back to you. You don't even have to worry about it. Just send it out. That's your job. And once I realized that, instead of saying what's wrong with that person, now I'm focused on what's right with that person. Before, that, that person, most people are intrinsically good, I believe. That 10 to 20% that they might have faults or weaknesses is what I was focusing on. Instead of, I was missing the 80 to 90% of good of that person. Now, now, Auntie, I'm so busy watching for what's right about that person, what's good about that person. I have zero time to zero time to be annoyed at what people are doing. Zero I, I love it. I absolutely love it. What is we did talk about, you know, how important it is to give freely the the five love languages, which mm -hmm. is like I love that you brought that up because I personally, I've never read the five love languages. I kind of know what they are from taking the quizzes, things of that nature. But how important is it to know how to healthily receive these, these languages and, and be open to, to receiving them? That's a great question. I, I really think though, that what was best for me is learn the love languages and how to send it first. You okay. absolutely, if you learn how to send it, then you'll have a, a, a good flavor. Everybody's not going to receive it the same way. And you're practicing kind of one genre each day, sending that out. So all day long, what you're watching for, Auntie, is for someone to light up. When they light up, now you've discovered their primary or secondary love language. No longer do you have to say, excuse me, can we pause this relationship for just a moment while you take this survey so I know how to love you? Right. It's ridiculous. You don't have to do it anymore. It's so, taking the hard work out of out of something that can essentially be so simple once you make it mm -hmm. just uh, an everyday thing, as you said. Once you start giving it away, those 30 days, 31 days out of the month, it's it kind of becomes second nature. So it's mm -hmm. it's taking the guesswork, it's taking the hard work, and it's simplifying it to something that's just that everybody can kind of get a grasp on instead of, instead of trying to manipulate and figure out. And it's like a Rubik's cube when you're, when you're not used to it at all. Yeah. So I, I love the way that you, that you put that. Where can my audience find more of your work and follow and follow you along your journey? They can find everything at the rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love. It's kind of a play on words because outside of you, you roll the cube or the dice. That's all outside of you. What changes is, is what we're looking for. That change within that you can learn, know how to give love away and you know how to respond when it comes your way. 
and just develop that loving attitude, that loving life is just going to make your life a whole lot better. Rolloflove.com, you can get the dice. I also have a book. And if, uh, there's, there's some situations that people like to record what they rolled, opportunities they saw to love in that way, what they did about those opportunities. It becomes a love journal. You know, I would have loved to have a love journal like that from my mother or my grandmother or grandfather, just anything like that. Instead, Auntie, I got a journal about the weather. The weather, 60 the years weather. Like, Who what cares? am I supposed to do with the weather 60 years ago? Who cares about that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I could turn those journals over to climatologists. They would probably be interested. For, but they, for but sure. they, but they could look at the almanac too. I mean, exactly. I, I, who who reads the almanac anyway? I mean, maybe maybe a farmer, but yeah, they're, obviously they're selling them. They're still Absolutely. selling the almanac. Absolutely. Yeah. Now your book that's available on your website is it available anywhere else for my audience to be able to pick that up and and. Absolutely. So it's a great question. It it actually. Um, is published on Amazon, so you can get the the journal and the book. The book in paper format, you can get the book in Kindle format, or you can get the book in Audible format, all on Amazon. But if you're looking on Amazon, don't type in Roll of Love because you're going to get Love This, Love That, Love a Million Things, and it's okay. going to be a needle in the haystack. Try to find it. Type in my name, Paul Zolman, and it'll bring you right to it. Perfect. And for anybody that wants to make sure that you have all the correct information to follow along Paul's journey and being a love language linguist, don't worry. I will drop all that information in the description box with this uh, video podcast, as well as the audio format. So you will be able to follow along, get the book, get the journal, get the dice, give love freely for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Paul. I definitely appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. And to all of our audience members, you already know what it is. I love y'all fiercely. Thank you, Auntie. Thank you.